Hey, this is Eastlake BBA, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you. We hope this builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Hey, guys. My name is Adam, and I am an alcoholic, drug addict, and a raging Al-Anon controller fixer. It's reared its ugly head over the last few years. Um, Man, this is a full room. Jeez, this is awesome. Um, So the topic is uh, constantly. And the reason I picked that is because I am trying to remind myself that I need to work this program constantly. And it says in the book, and I'll try to tie it in at the end, but um, I'll just quick qualifier. I'm the real deal. I grew up with a single mother, pretty much. I had men come in and out of our lives, father figure-ish men, and they didn't stay for very long. One, I adopted his blood. The next, I adopted his name. The next, I adopted his affluence, I guess. Um, But none of them were really ever around. I was lucky enough to have a grandfather that I lived with for a couple of years that kind of showed me what it was to have a father, but then that was ripped away and I moved on to uh, uh, the third man that my mom married. And um, so it was just me and her, I have no siblings. And I I grew up bouncing from house to house to house, state to state, school to school. So I never really was able to like plant roots and learn a lot of social skills. Uh, I got really good at becoming a chameleon though, right? because I would have to go to a new school to have to make friends real quick. And then I'd have to start that all over. I think I went to probably eight different schools by the time I was in third grade um, in maybe five different states. So, and that, that, that's important because it plays a role in um, the way I attempted to work this program for a long period of time, keeping people at arm's length, really not letting them get to know me, you know, at a deep level. Um, but always being nice, right? The guy that people wanted to be around, but didn't really know who I was. Uh, and that was a problem. And, um, I started using when I was, I think in seventh grade, a kid at my school had, his dad let us have a a little pot room in the basement, kind of like the seventies show, but not a little darker, a little more sinister than that. And I, as, as soon as I took that first, um, hit we were using every day Uh, and pretty much that was my life uh, up until I hit my first bottom when I was 24 years old I failed out of three colleges I got sent to a boarding school and my using escalated exponentially Um, and but that was when it was still fun you know we we had a lot of fun and it was a place where I learned how to have like brothers and sisters too because we all lived together Um, we partied together and But then when I got into college, it really started to get uh, a little more serious. Uh, I went to college in Florida my first semester, and and, uh, it was in the mid-'80s, so cocaine was kind of a thing back then, and I hit a bottom very quickly, uh, failed out of that college, went to another college, failed out of that college, and it just got worse and worse and worse. And I finally um, decided, I'm just going to go get a job. So I went and got a job selling cars. and it was, that's another industry where we do a lot of drinking and using and 
it 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 got really bad at that point. Um, I started using Coke every day. I, I think by the time I, I, I was using about a quarter ounce of Coke a day and drinking as much vodka as I could stomach and eating like sticks of butter and a potato that I would find laying around for substance. I mean, that was, I was 120 something pounds when I went into treatment my first time and um, dying. Uh, when I got out, I went to uh, uh, PB into a sober living and stayed there for a year and was doing really well. I worked with uh, my sponsor and some other guys in the program and commercial real estate, had my first real job, uh, was responsible and kind of worked the steps. Looking back on it, I did the best I could, but it was just more of a, a checkbox thing, you know, okay, I've worked the steps. Um, and I probably went through I think in those four years, I probably went through two um, rounds of, back then it was Novelco. Novelco was the preferred uh, step program. And, um, but I really never got anything out of it. Uh, went back to LA where I hit my first bottom. And I, uh, the weirdest thing happened. I, I, I was training to become a stockbroker. I wasn't using or drinking. And six months it took me about to work and study and get my license. Uh, once I got my license, uh, we went out for a celebratory dinner and someone handed me a drink. I didn't think too, I just, I didn't even think about it because I wasn't going to any meetings. I wasn't keeping in contact with the people here in San Diego. So um, I drank, I didn't get drunk. I went to bed, I woke up at four o'clock like I had been for six months, went to work. And some at some point during that day, I was like, it hit me like, those guys lied to me. They said, if I drank, the wheels would fall off, I would die, you know? And I'm like, maybe I'm not an alcoholic. Maybe I'm just young, I was going through something. And uh, unfortunately, that's not the case. It, it took about a year, year and a half, I think, maybe a little bit longer um, to hit another pretty severe bottom. And this time it was coupled with depression. Um, and so, I came back to the program. Anyway, I'm gonna make this short because there's a lot more to this that I wanna get into. Um, I, this, this became a pattern. So I went you know, on this pattern of every five years having these major relapses, but coming back into the program, I was serious. You know, I really wanted this thing. And I would go to tons of meetings. I would, you know, take up uh, commitments. I would be secretary and I started meetings. That, I have started meetings that are still going on to this day. Um, and so I was all in. And I really thought that I was doing what I needed to do to stay sober. Um, but then I would, get, I would get the job back. I would get, you know, the money would start coming in. The people that, you know, I blew up relationships, they would start coming back. And, you know, this, this, the ego would start creeping back in, you know. And I, and I would start telling myself, look what you did, you know. Look how good you're doing. Um, giving zero credit to God, zero, right? And so it was just a matter of time. And I did this uh, four times. So over, over a span of 20, or five times, over a span of 25 years, uh, this was my pattern. And in uh, 2014, I got into my, I think it was my fourth DUI. Um, and this one was an accident. And I ran into a minivan with a family and thank God no one was seriously hurt. Um, 
But because I had a strike prior uh, on an assault charge, I spent eight months in jail, they weren't having it this time, right? But I knew what I had to do. I came back to AA, I printed out a slip, I already had one in a template, right? Meeting slip from all my previous uh, DUIs. So I printed that out, I went back to AA, everyone welcomed me with open arms and this guy came up to me after the meeting, Louie, um, and he said, Adam, we're so glad to have you back. He said, come in, I want to, uh, we're, we're having a step study, a, a workshop starting tomorrow night, this was a Saturday morning. Uh, Sunday night and it's gonna be in this room you got to do it he was so excited and in my mind I'm thinking you know what Louie I've done this you know 25 years I've been doing this <laughs> I don't know what a step study is gonna do for me and uh, and then the next voice that came in was like just do it just do it just say yes and I said okay I will and I made a pact to myself before I went into that workshop that next night I said, God, I'm going to give this one more chance. And if it doesn't work, I'm going to get as much money as I can. I'm going to disappear and no one will ever see me again. Um, and the first miracle that happened was when we sat at that table in BBA, we, the first thing we do is say this, the uh, set aside prayer. God, please enable me to set aside everything I think I know for an open mind and a new experience. Help me see the truth about this book, this program. Uh, the steps, the people, you, right? And I don't know that it would have worked if that wasn't the first thing that we did in that workshop because I had 25 years of experience, right? A head full of knowledge. I knew what AA was all about. Um, and again, for whatever reason, it, you know, divine intervention, I heard that prayer. And, and because it was new, I'd never heard it before. And I really internalized it. And I said, you know what? I, I know nothing. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna approach this work like I know absolutely nothing. And the most amazing thing happened in that workshop. First of all, they rewrote this book from the, from the time that I had done the steps in the past till the time I did the steps through BBA. Because there's so much in this book that I had never even I'm sure I'd read it before, but I had never heard it. You know, I had never felt it. I had never internalized it um, from the very first step all the way through uh, to the very last meeting that we had in that workshop. I had spiritual experiences at every single one of those workshop groups. Um, and if you haven't gone through the work yet through BBA, uh, I would highly encourage it. It's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, it is. You know, I've been through the work, and I've seen people have amazing experiences no matter how they work the steps, right? They can work it one-on-one -on -one with the sponsor right out of the book, Novelco, Joe and Charlie, the dictionary. I mean, there's a bazillion ways to work the steps. For me, though, at this time, the stars aligned. I was uh, ready and willing to, have, to let a group of men in my life that... Um, that I was willing, at, finally, I had that gift of desperation that I was willing to really let people in and get to know me um, for the first time in my life. I mean, that was probably the biggest hurdle that I had to overcome was the trust, especially of men, uh, because so many men that I thought should be there for me, father figures uh, growing up, all left, right? And it was painful. I, I mean, it, it was th that, 
I, I didn't want to experience that kind of pain, right? I had, um, I had a, a visceral, like, I'm hardwired not to, not to trust guys. Um, but I was willing, and I laid it all out in this workshop, and I, and I really did my best to, um, to, you know, one of the things we do in the four-step, besides the, the regular sheets, is the take to the grave. And I don't know, I always thought I was a really open book, you know, but I had stuff that I had never shared. I don't know because I was embarrassed of it, or it was just I hadn't really taken the time to put it all on paper and say, oh, yeah, I've never told anybody this, you know. And so I think that was a big deal for me. Um, anyway, I want to get to the constantly thing, because what happened was in my court case, uh, it took about a year to get through that court case. And um, while we were going through the court case, we were working the steps. I finished the first workshop and my sponsor said, you got to start a workshop now. And I'm like, Mike, I'm getting sentenced in like two months. You know, this thing is going to last for, he goes, no, no, I think it's a good idea. I think, I think you really should start a workshop. So, so I was like, all right. So I started a workshop in my garage and, um, just these little leaps of faith, right? Just take, just take suggestions, take action. Um, and in that workshop, uh, my thing kept getting postponed and delayed and delayed and delayed, which helped me um, get a firmer foundation for when I sat in front of that judge. When we went into that courtroom, 40 people from AA showed up in that courtroom to support me. Um, and it's not because I went to a ton of meetings and got a lot of slip sign. It was because I was really honestly doing the deal. You know, I was sponsoring guys. I was running the workshop. I, and I think I did. We were, oops, sorry. We, I think we were on our third workshop by the time I finally got sentenced. But we're sitting in this courtroom. I mean, courthouses are not the coziest places. They're sterile. They're cold. And we had men in little groups praying and meditating because the, the case got delayed. The judge came in and saw that there was 40 people out, you know, in support of me. And he's like, oh, wait, I'm, I might want to take another look at this one. So it was supposed to be at nine. He said, come back at 1.30. And I'm like, oh, crap, everyone's going to leave. This is all screwed. <laughs> you know, even, even though God has already hooked me up every step of the way, you know, my alcoholic brain still went to that. Um, and that's where this constantly is going to come in. Um, but I had an experience, right? I sat in front of that judge and I was willing and ready to, to, I had already signed paperwork, seven years. You will, you know, you're signing guilty to everything. You understand it carries a charge of seven years. Um, so I was prepared. I was prepared to go to prison that day. Uh, and I was okay with that. And that was the first time in my life that I, that I wasn't lying, try, trying to connive my way around a, you know, the system or manipulate or I was just at peace. I had let go, right? And, and the miracle happened. And he, he, gave, me, uh, he gave me a year of, of um, house arrest and five years of, of probation. And I was able to continue on my path. Um, and that experience is something that I think, uh, it, you know, we, we talk about a spiritual experience, right? Not spiritual knowledge, not spiritual 
understanding, but it's spiritual experience. I, we got a guy in a, the Sunday meeting, um, attitude adjustment, and I love this analogy. He said uh, he got a Groupon for one of those deprecation dep chambers, you know, where you lay in salt water and it's dark. And um, he said he'd struggled for years and years and years with uh, meditation, right? And he never knew if he was doing it, right? He never knew if he was meditating, if his mind was quiet. He did that and he came and he shared that now I, I finally think I know what it feels like to meditate. And that's kind of for me what it was like for, with that spiritual experience, right? It was so palpable that now I'm able to continue, you know, constantly pull at that, right? If I feel like my guts are in turmoil or my brain, my mind is racing, I'm able to stop, pause, and pull on that experience. And I think that's what the steps are meant to do, is provide an experience that we can then build on. And the reason I picked uh, the word constantly is because if you're new in, in uh, BBA, one of the first things that a lot of people say is uh, read page 84 to 88 every single day. These guys were genius to write the book the way they did, right? Because we could have gone through steps one through uh, uh, nine and been like, cool, I did it, right? But no, because I have, my, my, my disease centers in my brain, right? Not in my, not in my knowledge, but in my, the way my uh, brain is wired. And so <laughs> they do a really good job of saying, hey, you are really still screwed up and you'll probably really still be screwed up for the rest of your life. So we're going to, we're going to really pound this point home and I'm not going to read the whole thing. I just want to read the instances where, uh, it says, and I've highlighted, it should continue for a lifetime, uh, continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear, the things we find in our, uh, first five proposals, uh, on page 85, these thoughts, which must go with us constantly, the bottom of page 85, step 11, better men than us are uh, using it constantly. It works if we have the proper attitude and work at it. Um, let's see, on awakening. Okay, on page 87, uh, we'll be shown a prayer all through the day what our next step is to be. Uh, bottom of 87, we constantly remind ourselves we're no longer running the show, humbly saying to ourselves, many times each day, thy will be done. And I mean, I need this, right? And that's why I picked the topic, because I, I even though I do read this, I, I work with a, a guy in the program, and we do this, we read this every single day, I still need to be reminded that I need to stay consistently consistent throughout the day and be in constant uh, commune with my higher power, right? Um, last thing I'll share is that I'm, I'm a very visual person. I grew up, uh, my, my parents were uh, on Leave it to Beaver and, um, you know, those shows because I would come home, no one's home, and I would watch those shows for the rest of the day. So talk about, like, sex ideals, right? This is what a dad's supposed to look like. This is what a mom's supposed to look like. Well, I'm very visual, so my, my for whatever reason, my uh, vision of my higher power is Jesus. I never, was never raised in a church. I don't, I mean, obviously it's divinely inspired. <laughs> I was going to say I don't know where it came from, but I do. Um, <laughs> so... 
I, I constantly am able to turn and visualize this ideal father figure that I never had growing up. And we just shoot the shit, right? Sometimes I'll, I'll meditate and go down to an open field and we'll sit there and pray for others. Uh, sometimes, you know, he's a superhero, so sometimes we'll like fly around in the clouds and laugh. I mean, constantly, right? And if I ever become homeless, I will be one of those guys that's like talking to himself, you know, around the corners because um, I really try to stay consistently consistent with my relationship with my higher power. And I think pulling on that experience that I had in the courtroom uh, and all of the, the spiritual experiences that I've witnessed in the program, um, it's important, you know, because it, my, my history tells me that if I get disconnected from this thing, even a little bit, and that ego starts creeping back in, I'm screwed. You know, so thanks for asking me to share because it reminded me to pull up the topic constantly. Thanks, guys. I'm Michael. I'm an alcoholic. Thanks, Adam. Um, some of us were with him on that particular part of the journey. And um, no matter how many times I hear it, remembering being there was like God showing up. Like, I didn't come here for the whole God thing, but man, when God shows up, God shows up, and there ain't no missing out on it. So whew, stick around. I'm sure you guys will have your own experiences. So all I really want to say is there's a part here that comes out of the promises, but it was the way I used to run my life on self-will, self-centeredness, and self-seeking. All of that that was kind of driving my life with and without alcohol and drugs Let's see here. I used to intuitively know how to put myself into situations that baffled me, like over and over again, right? And I constantly was thinking about myself all through the day. I was trying to get what I want out of the world, right? Constantly trying to figure it out. Constantly trying to get me, me, and me done. With and without drugs and alcohol, it was just actually easier when I was drunk and high. But when you take away the drugs and the alcohol, that craving for me, me, me actually gets louder and louder and louder. So to work the 12 steps and to combat that false self, that ego that's going to creep back in, that grows back over and over again, I do. All through the day, I have to turn, ask, pray, consider, talk, you know, all of the, uh, the things that we've learned are watchwords or instructions here. Constantly, constantly turning my thoughts to God, to others. And I mean, I don't want to get too preachy, but if my problem is addiction and death and misery, and you guys are saying spiritual path, God, higher power, creator, spirit of the universe is going to be my solution, what are my options here? <laughs> Everything else I brought to the table on my own looked like death and misery, slow or quick. And so through my steps, I've been convinced that if I have to call it God, okay, I'm going to call it God. I started with higher power, spirit of the universe, great reality, the unnameable. Um, but here we are. 
It's actually the only thing, the 12 steps and a, and a relationship with God has actually been the only thing that's ever really settled my heart down from the inside out. Everything else I tried to throw at my problem was fleeting at best and unsatisfying. So I'm going to keep coming back. Thank you. Alcoholic. Thank you. Piggyback on what Mike was talking about, and thank you for your lead tonight, Adam. Um, when I came in, my vision of God was Charlton Heston sitting at a desk, <laughs> damning me for everything. You know, my first run into the church with my grandmother was Baptist church, and then married my wife, and she was Catholic, so I had Southern Baptist and Catholic, so everything was damned. You're going to die if you look at her. You're going to die if you do this. You're going to die if you do that. So I had this picture of Charlton Heston telling me what I was going to do my whole life. And then somebody told me, well, what, the God as you know, what, what aren't you afraid of? What do you, what do you admire? What do you look? I said, Austin Powers, you know what I mean? And he's like, well, then that's your God. And that's what got me through the first two years. Because... Every time I was sitting there and I was trying to trust somebody at that point, instead of somebody like my father telling me how bad I was or anything, it was like, we can do it, baby. All you got to do is this. And that's what I did. And it's a God as you know it. And it becomes simple at that point. It becomes to a point where you can trust again and you can trust that person until, like Mike says, you do find God. Because eventually you will find the higher power because it just starts to work, especially when you start giving back. Um, once you follow uh, on the program, on the book study, like Adam said, once I came in and met Oliver and David and we went down that path, there was no looking back for me. And once I actually started to give back, that's when the miracle starts to happen. That's when you just look up and you're like, yeah, baby, it works. So I'm going to take another 24. Thank you. Hi, my name is Michael. I am an alcoholic. Um, Thank you for your share today. It was very uh, inspiring. You know, I, uh, I go to a lot of AA meetings, and uh, what I always look for are the similarities, and I hear your story, and there's a lot of similarities, a lot of uh, things I can relate to, and that's what attracts me when it comes to my recovery and, and to my sobriety, because, um, you know, I, uh, I, I like to drink alcohol, and, 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 and I relapse, and, and I... I, uh, and it's usually constantly because I separate myself from God's will and, and, and what I don't hear the, I don't hear his message. I, I just go by my own will and I go by what I know and, and, and my pleasures and, and it causes me to, to, to lose a lot of things that, that I work very hard for. So, um, you know, um, I, today I, I, I constantly stay in the word. I constantly listen to to people that have more time to me time than me and i um i really try to apply it to my life you know um i'm um in a uh, situation now that um i'm familiar with and but i'm working it differently this time i'm not i'm not uh i'm not quick to to think i know everything i'm not quick to um to pass judgment because those are all character defects i have those are all things I need to work on. So today, I um I try to give back. I I try to um. Not be in a hurry and just slow down and be patient and and let God's will work in my life for me today because, my will 
gets me drunk. My will gets me in situations that I don't, that I don't like to be in. So, um, you know, I've never worked my steps through, through BBA. I've, I've, I've had sponsors in the past and I've always been uh, a little scared of, of the Big Book Awakening because cause they're, they're hardcore and some, sometimes I like to do things the easy way. Mm. But this time, um, again, I'm taking it slow and, and I'm accepting all suggestions and um, I'm just going to let God work his will for me in my life. Thank you for letting me share. Bernie Alcoholic. Bernie. Well, we can start here. Um, I was 14 years old, started drinking. Um, made my dad think that uh, he was drinking all the beers, but actually after he fell asleep, passed out, I would take his beers. So I would go in my room, drink them, put them under my, my bed. Well, a couple months go by and forget to uh, take the cans out. My dad goes in there to lecture me and sits down in the bed and uh, hears crunch. So he picks up the bed and like, oh, so you're the one who's been taking my beers. So he goes, all right. So like Mexican, Mexican old fashioned dad took out the belt, whooped me. He goes, don't you move, don't you leave. Stay right here, so I'll be right back. Well, he went to the store and got a 12 pack and sat down with me and he said, okay, now you're gonna drink this, drink them all. And I was, 50, I was 14 years old in junior high. And uh, man, that was the worst day of my life. He's, he asked for the day off the next day so he can send me to school. So there I am waiting for the bus, going to school. Hangover, bad, hated life. Well, he taught me a lesson. Well, continued drinking, picked up crystal meth. Um, started messing around, got resentment towards my dad, joined a street gang. Um, the love wasn't getting at home, so I got it from my homies. So age 16, um, I played soccer all my life. Age 16, I got uh, the best news I could ever get. If I finished high school, I had a scholarship to play for the San Diego Soccers mm. before they were an indoor team. So um, did my best, but being in the gang is hard, you, you know. So that dream went to waste. 17 years old, got locked up. Didn't come out till I was like 20 some. so there goes that dream. Well, continue drinking, continue. I'm 51 now, and um, I have like 70 wise. Um, my, birth, my son's birthday of last year, New Year's Eve, got a DUI. And two months later, I got another one. And I got locked up, and I thought that, that was the end of it. Well, DA picked it up um, two months ago, picked it up. So now I went to court last Wednesday, and like you said, God is working because they want to lock me up. I went to court and the lady just looked at me and she goes, you're going down, you're going two to three years in prison. And I was like, oh man, here I go again. You know, I thought I put everything to the side, but drinking messes me up. Blackouts, don't remember nothing. Wake up like, whoa, how'd I get here? How'd I make it home? First thing I do, go run outside and make sure my car is okay. 
car's not there. Whoa. You know, um, well, I decided to go and join the Salvation Army um, program on my own before anything else. And it's, like you said, God is working. Today, I have 94 days sober and clean. Right. And that's all I got. I am constantly a psycho in my mind, man. I mean, if you could just, you know, be in my mind for a minute, man. I mean, I've, you know, Keith knows I got to like drink. Caffeine calms me down. You know, blowing lines of coke calms me down. And I, I just have to constantly remind myself, like it says, I believe it's in the doctor's opinion about having a, a psychic change. It's one of those things that I have to constantly remind myself every day. Like in the Just For Today, it says, uh, today I will free my mind from indecision and hurry. And I have to constantly remind myself of that. I have to constantly remind myself to not be resentful towards people or character assassinate somebody in a meeting or wherever, you know what I mean? It might be out. And it's, uh, it's a constant that is helping me to stay sober, to stay on track. Because the minute I quit doing that, um, I find myself instantly like I've gotten a little bit of clean time now so I can actually see how far I get off the path you know what I mean and it's just as bad as me having a drink in my opinion like or anything else for that matter because it does steal from my spirituality I struggled with that as well for a really long time and um, since I've been able to tune in on that I have to constantly do my prayers every morning do my grateful list do it at night with my girlfriend and the kids and um you know, it's like, I feel sometimes when I don't, like, you know, I'll sit there and watch TV and I'm just like, ah, whatever, I don't have to do it tonight. But I get down, you know what I mean? And I remind myself I have to do it. And if I don't constantly, I feel for me personally, put even a hundredth as much effort into this as I did my using, then I don't even have a shot, man. So, uh, yeah, I have to constantly keep coming to meetings, constantly keep listening to all you great people, constantly stay humble, constantly work on my just civil war that goes on in my brain, not even about drugs and alcohol, just, you know, just being just a lunatic. And um, constantly stay appreciative of all you and let me be a part of what you all have going on here. So thank you very much. All right, yeah. <laughs> Chad, alcoholic. Hi, Chad. Thanks, Adam, for your share. Um, <clears throat> you tell us stories, and I was just thinking, like, how far back we go, you know what I mean? Like, uh, <clears throat> You know, I moved to Eastlake in 2009 after, you know, a, a, a tour duty in AA um, up in La Mesa that didn't really uh, work out for me. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I came down here and uh, our sons were on the same baseball team. And uh, that's how I met Adam. I didn't meet Adam for the first time in AA. I met him just out in town. And, uh, you know, uh, we, we hung out and talked and and uh, finally, life got bad enough for me in, in 2012 that, uh, you know, I decided to give A another shot. And I go into Saturday morning meeting, and I'm sitting there, and in walks Adam. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I was like, I want to crawl under the, t the, under the chair. I was like, oh, please don't let him. <laughs> you know? Um, but, uh, you know, come to find out, I, I mean, I, I, tr I gave it a shot for another three months, maybe six at the most. And... 
And uh, I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to get this God thing. It's, it's just not going to happen. I had a sponsor. You know, the first time I didn't really have a sponsor. Second time I was like, I better get a sponsor this time. And, um, you know, he tried working the steps with me. But, you know, we made it through. We, he made it through the first three steps with me. I didn't really make it through the first three steps. Um, you know, I didn't really, I wasn't feeling that connection with God, you know. Um, you know, I would say the words and the steps, but not feel anything. And uh, wasn't have that communication, you know, with any kind of higher power. Um, and I think because, you know, I had some preconceived notion as to what God was. And I, I wanted some, some third person voice in my brain to talk to me that wasn't me. You know what I mean? Because <clears throat> anytime I prayed, um, you know, and growing up Catholic, we just, we memorized all these prayers. And that is a prayer. You know what I mean? Like this freestyle and prayers was just like kind of weird for me, you know, uh, and meditation. I never, I never connected the dot between prayer and meditation. I thought meditation was just like a Buddhist thing and prayer was, you know, a, a Christian thing. Um, you know, now we go to retreats and there's, they're led by these Catholic priests and they're talking about prayer and meditation all the time. And, uh, I just, I, I never connected those dots, you know, and, um, uh, you know, speaking about Catholic priests and, and retreats, um, you know, I heard, and I see him over and over, but I heard one priest say he never really became spiritual, you know, throughout his priesthood, never had a connection to God until he came into AA. And I was like, holy cow, that was one of the most powerful things I've ever heard. You know what I mean? Like, how could you go into the priesthood, spend all these years practicing and preaching and never have a connection with God, never have a sense of spirituality until he came to AA, you know what I mean? And hung out with us drunks, you know? Um, but, you know, I left AA in, in 2012 because I wasn't going to get the God thing and, and, you know, went back out, did more experimenting, uh, you know, find, trying to find other ways to control my drinking or other ways that were going to fix me, you know? I wanted something else to fix me. Um, I didn't want to work for anything. I really never worked for a whole lot in my life. I got, went through college, a bachelor's degree, never read a single book. You know what I mean? I just barely, you know, I found ways to get around the requirements and just do the bare minimum on everything and get what I wanted. Like, hey, hey that's not going to work. You know what I mean? Like, I can't, I can't, like, like fake it through AA, you know? And I found that, that out the hard way over and over and over again. Um, but, you know, ran into Adam probably in 2014 at a soccer game, you know, after I left AA and I'm like, oh God, there's Adam again. You know, probably completely sober, still in AA, you know, like judging me like, oh, look at that guy. I wonder how bad his life is now, you know? Um, and come to find out he was going through his court thing after getting in an accident, um, you know? and came back and to AA in 2015 and I was there for his court case um, and his workshops in his garage and uh, you know it's just been a, a great um, friend of my life you know and uh, glad we could share all this time together um, but back to that term constantly it sounds like a like a pretty strong term you know like like it takes me back to that perfectionist idea like like I either have to do it 100% correct all the time all day or I might as well not do it at all you know what I mean that's negative self-talk but um, you know it also tells us in the book that you know no one makes a sole vocation of this work you know um, so I have to temper that, you know, what does, what does constantly mean? Does it mean 24 seven, every second of the day? Um, I can't, I can't do that. You know, I have to, you know, uh, you know, out of the retreat came, you know, one of the, one of the messages for me was practice these principles in all my affairs, you know, and we always talk about that, but it's so easy to go through the day 
and, and slide back into old habits, you know what I mean? Like thinking I'm the one running the show and, and, and forgetting that I'm an alcoholic, you know what I mean? And I should be practicing these principles in all of my affairs. And I do have to constantly, not meaning every second of the day, but remind myself that, you know, take a pause, you know? Like I'll, I'll be driving down the highway and if I, if I just look off on the horizon and not focus on the people right in front of me, um, all of a sudden, I, I feel a sense of serenity and peace. You know what I mean? Just, just don't focus on the traffic. Just kind of glance off to the side and think about God. And I just immediately have that sense of peace. You know what I mean? That calming sense. You know, no matter what going, what's going on in traffic, or you know, if I'm running late for this or not. But um, you know, I think if I if I try to practice it in all my affairs as often as possible, and I remind myself that I'm not the one running the show, um, it tends to work out pretty good for me so far. So. Thanks. Hi, Mary Alcoholic. Hi, Mary. Uh, my sobriety date is July 11th, 2013. Haven't had a drink, but it doesn't mean that I'm free from alcohol. I have to constantly remind myself that I am an alcoholic and uh, that my life was unmanageable and not forget how unmanageable it became. And your story, thank you, Adam, your mother, my mother. Uh, we used to tease her all the time and say that. Uh, she was like Elizabeth Taylor. Uh, she was going on her fifth marriage. So it's like almost very similar, the stories. So uh, really good. You said so many things uh, jumped out when you were speaking. And uh, what I heard was, you know, that whole set-aside prayer. Uh, when I got into the first BBA uh, workshop, uh, that set-aside prayer opened up something different than it did when we just said the serenity prayer. So I think what it did for me was it, my beliefs and what I thought I knew, I had to put it aside and look at everything in the book as if it was the first time looking at it. And then I got something from it like, I totally understood what the author was trying to tell me. So then I had to constantly ask myself, what is the author trying to tell me here? And it was like, oh, I got it, because the book was written back in the 1930s. You know, 1930s. So back then, they had a different way of um, uh, speaking, but the disease of alcoholism, it was all the same. And then um, I couldn't relate to the book because it was Bill, it was a guy, and I couldn't relate. I didn't know, you know, I had nothing to do with any of his, you know, Wall Street stuff and everything that he had been through. But then something happened. I started to relate to the feelings, what he felt, and the hopelessness. And then all those words just started jumping out like, oh, I felt that. And it says it in the BBA, you know, put yourself, did you feel this way, right? And it's like, I felt that way. I know that feeling. And uh, you also talked about, um, you know, the whole um, constant um, in the uh, pages of 86 and 87, how much it's repeated. And um, how I look at it is, you know, us alcoholics, we're undisciplined. 
and it says that in the book. <laughs> so for me, it was a set of disciplines that I needed to stay sober. If I wanted to stay sober, that I needed to practice in all my affairs. And that didn't come easy. But it did come easier when I practiced prayer and meditation. It came easier for me. Uh, so prayer, they say, is talking to God. Meditation is listening. So, and also the disease centers in our mind. So we're constantly selfish, self-centered, thinking about me, me, me. And that's how I was. I was just always thinking about my problems and what I got myself into. I was constantly thinking about my worries, my fears, my debt, you know, um, the damage I caused uh, tomorrow, you know. So I was constantly thinking about all those things. And eventually, as I practiced this program, as I practiced in all my affairs, reading pages, those pages in the book, something happened. And today, my life is disciplined. I practice uh, meditation, practice prayer in the morning. Um, I do different things. And then other things started coming in my life. Like I started, it started to open the doors to other um, spiritual connections. And then I really got to see what happens when you work this program in all your affairs. And you live a life um, like you never could have ever imagined. Um, you start to intuitively know how to handle situations that used to baffle you. Uh, and uh, that's the best part. That's one of my favorite. And, um, and you don't worry. You don't, you're not in constant fear. You know, because you, you develop those spiritual muscles that, you know, you practice. So those are just some of the things. So if you're new, stick around. Uh, this program works. As you can see, it's really saved a lot of lives. And, um, and I'm a grateful member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Thank you. Hi, Luis, alcoholic. Adam, thank you so much for coming down. Uh, what a... What a great message tonight, you know, and uh, we just uh, booked you, what, like a couple, couple weeks ago, you know, and so if any part of his message really hit home today, know that the hand of God is at work, because that's what we've witnessed. I was there, just like with Michael, I was there when Ad Adam and I were in the workshop together, and so I was struggling with something, and I remember the first time I ever prayed for someone else for a stranger was him and this other guy in that workshop. There's 35 of us that started. There's only five of us that finished. Mm. And, um, and I remember it was like 50 people, 40 on the inside and 10 more waiting on, you know, outside, standing room only. And uh, the AA community really showed up that day. There was only two people for the victims. That was it. And they're representatives of MAD. And that's really what the judge saw. He said, I would be doing a disservice to society at large if I pulled this man out of this community, throw him in a prism, and then expect him somehow to reconnect. You know? And so, constantly, I, before I got here, I was constantly struggling with blackouts, telling myself there's no way I was going to do this again, and then... By 6 p.m., I had 100 reasons, excuses, and the party of one, you know, started all over, and I was constantly planning 
for that party of one, even though I really didn't want it to, I didn't want it to happen anymore. And then, you know, like Easter 2014, I had this huge party at my house and I spent the whole day focused on the alcohol that was going to be consumed by my guests. But I really, I, I was already blacked out by three. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that was my Easter 2014. And, um, you know, I imagine if you're here tonight, at some point, maybe alcohol and drugs ruled over your life just as they, they started to rule over mine. This is a progressive disease. It doesn't get better. It only gets worse, you know. And our book tells us on page 12, though, the text is uh, 13. It says, uh, my friends promised when these things were done, um, I would enter upon a new relationship with my creator. And that thing that we have to get to is I was stuck in that victim mentality, right? Things did happen to me. Traumatic things happened to me as a child. But by the time I, hit, I got here to the 12-step rooms, I knew I was in trouble. I had asked God for help. And what was in front of me was a choice. Would I take responsibility? And would I ask a sponsor to guide me through these steps and then just start showing up every week for those workshop and then and meetings, right? And so... It says uh, that I would enter upon a new relationship with my creator, that I would have the elements of a way of living which answered all my problems. Look, before I got here, I was basically in a cul-de-sac, in a dead end. There was no future, right? There was no future there. And that's that turning point that I found here, which is suddenly my higher power, my creator opens up in front of me this other path that in essence, he's promising to build a new future with me, right? If, depending on what your beliefs are, but a book points to he's our creator. And if you believe that you are made in the image of that creator, then you and him have that capacity to build a new future. And that he only has good plans for us. You know, and that's why... Adam coming here tonight, you know, uh, if you don't know Adam's story, make time to get to know him to, so he can tell you all of it. Because, you know, it's just like he said, that moment in time he can always go back to, so can we that we were there with him on top of what God's done in my life, right? And so it says, belief in the power of God plus enough willingness, honesty and humility, to establish and maintain the new order of things were the essential requirements. And so, if you need a sponsor, raise your hand and ask someone to take you through these steps. And imagine a new future, right? That is what's possible through this way of going through the steps. It has manifested, not just in my life, but it has become reality in David's and Oliver's, right? And Adam and Keith and Michael, right? And they're in Chad, right? Arlene's in it, you know? And she's going to come back next week and she's going to share her experience, strength, and hope of what God is already doing in her life, which we're witnessing right here in this room. So thank you for letting me share. My name is Oliver and I'm an alcoholic. And what a meeting, man. It's been a great meeting, man. Thank you, everybody, that shared. And Adam, brother, you always touch my heart. The today was special. 
And, uh, and it was special because, you know, I mean, that word constantly, it is constantly. It is constantly for me because I am a constantly, I'm a psycho. Where, where's the guy that said that? That's who I have to deal with every day, man. I don't know about your mind, but my mind can be in 10 different places at the same time. And usually the way that my mind speaks to me is not very kind, you know? It's always telling me how unworthy I am and how uh, bad life is and, and how unlovable I am or how insufficient I, I feel. And, and, and that's why I came here to AA, you know, because I couldn't live no more. The only thing that worked in my life was alcohol and drugs, that's it. You know, for me, them, they were never a problem. They were always, 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 always my solution until they stopped working. But I mean, I say sometimes in meetings that thank God for drugs and alcohol because it, it really helped me go through a really dark period in my life. Because I always thought that I was crazy, man. I thought that I was different, uh, way too sensitive. So today I come to this, to these rooms, man, and that mind, you know, God has done wonderful things in my life. I have to remember that. It has nothing to do with me. You know, I mean, God has done for me what I cannot do for myself. You know, sometimes it's so easy to go back to, to me, 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 right? To constantly thinking about me, 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 and what it is that I need and need and need. I mean, think about it. Everything I used to think about is everything I didn't have or everything that I wanted. And that was my thinking. Constantly. Seeing the bad in people, why people weren't the way that I wanted my people to be. I mean, just constantly why life sucked and why I should be escaping from my life. Like you said, constantly a psycho. That's, that's me, brother. That's, I mean, my mind is, it's, it's, I've been sober now for, for a while, but, but even, even today, man, I have to keep this thing in my life every day. Page 84 to 88 is no joke. I mean, every day my life is not mine anymore, man. And I have to remind myself of that every day because it's so easy for me to get, to start playing God again, man. That was my problem, you see. I like to play God. I know exactly what to tell you, all of you guys. I know exactly how you need to behave. I'm good at that. And if you only listen, my life would be wonderful, man. <laughs> but it's never like that, you know? And that's, 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 that's a shame. I, this, 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 today I spend the better part of the day listening to a fifth step. You know, and it's so heartbreaking, man, to hear my story in somebody else's life. I mean, it's... We are so powerless, man, alcoholics and drug addicts. But we don't think so. We think that we can wing it, right? We can manipulate it. We can do the easier, softer way. But, but at the end of the day, it's not. It's so amazing how, how hard it is for people like me, if you're an alcoholic like me, to see the truth. They talk to you with truth, and you feel insulted. How dare you, man? Are they just telling you the truth? <laughs> But I am so foreign to that truth all my life. And today I heard that all day long, man. It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. And sometimes today I want to get into the alcoholic mind and just shake the shit out of that brain and say, listen, man, just listen to what I'm going to tell you because I was where you're at. Because this thing works. But it works. It's the process that works. It's the book that works. It's the hand of God that works. It has nothing to do with me. That's what I have to remind myself of constantly. I can shape my life any way I want it, God willing. That's the biggest part of my life. If I accept where I'm at today, if acceptance today in my life plays a role is because of God. Whatever I have today, whatever I do today, whomever I love, whomever loves me, that's the will of God. The problem is when I don't like it. 
So I have to remind myself constantly that it's not up to me. There's two steps, three and seven, man. We give our life away if we truly mean it. And what does that mean? I have to remind myself every day this is no longer mine. My best decision brought me to AA. Mm-hmm. My best decision brought me with a bunch of drunks, man. Don't know how to live. They complain all day long about me, 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 what it is that I don't have. I wanted you. That's the best thing I could do. So there's something wrong with the way that I think, right? And I tried everything, and it says it in the book, no human power could relieve our alcoholism. Right? And I tried all of them. I mean, I have girlfriends, wives, hostages. True. And nothing worked. And today, that's what I was trying to tell this girl, this woman that broke my heart, but at the same time, I could love her where she's at. And this is, this is a, a horrible disease, guys. This is as serious as serious gets. Constantly means constantly. And it's constantly stop thinking about what it is that I don't have or what it is that I want that I haven't gotten or the mistakes that I made in the past or how unworthy I feel. That cycle that lives in my mind. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Arlene, alcoholic and drug addict. Um, I've only been coming since March. I've been completely sober since May. Uh, I don't have years of experience, but so far <clears throat> I've had some really awesome experiences. Uh, my son got married Friday. They had their, their civil their civil marriage. Yeah. Um, and that Monday, last Monday, uh, my daughter-in-law's mother decided to let everyone know that she was against them getting married. Mm-hmm. She didn't think that she should marry my son, that she feels that my son secretly beats her, and, and on and on and on and on. And she even tried to get the whole family to stop her from marrying my son. They've been together for like eight years. My granddaughter's seven. And, you know, like when my son was telling me, um, I was surprisingly not baffled. Because <laughs> I, I always considered myself to be a very peachy person, but um, certainly I could go to combat very quick. And, um, and so I'm listening to my son and, and I, it just like hit me and I was really shocked. Like, wow, I'm not, I'm not like even thinking about how the fuck am I going to drive to Riverside and beat this bitch's ass? (laughs) I'm like actually at peace and, and just able to listen to what he had to say. And, and I mean, it, 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 did bother me, but it wasn't just about me anymore. Um, and I know that's, that's like my higher power that comes and, 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 you know, the, the spirit's already in us. Um, it's just awakening it and, and, you know, letting him, you know, work through you. And the first thing that I, the, the main thing that I thought about was, you know, how my daughter-in-law felt for her mom to do something like this at this time in her life, you know? Um, And so I just said, you know, I told my son, um, 
And this is something that, you know, it totally like shook him because he's so used to my <laughs> me getting explosive in certain situations like this. So he was kind of like scared to tell me. And I just told him, um, you know, you're you're about to get married. So your house is no longer going to be under sin. Your house is now going to be blessed with God because you're 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 now going to be legally married and God's spirit is going to be with you guys now and the devil knows that so right now her sisters and her mom are just being used by the enemy because the enemy knows what God has in store for your home and it's a new home because now it's going to be you know a a marriage and um I go, so just let it go. And you, you're, you're very responsible. You, you have everything. You guys are, are, I mean, they're just very, very responsible. A, a lot more than I was at that age. Um, and so I, I, I just told him, like, the only thing that you need to now focus on or that you need to work on is not just being that strong provider that you are, but also providing mental, emotional, and spiritual um, to your wife and to your daughter. Because that's really the man's responsibility when it comes to his home, not just the, the food, but but the mental, emotional, and spiritual um, stability to, to the family. I go, so, you know, maybe between the two of you, you guys can, can start working that now. So Sunday was the first time he came to church, mm. came to church with his now wife. Um, and surprisingly, you know, I, I, and I prayed over them and I just kept praying about it constantly because, you know, there was moments where I was like, you know, I hope she doesn't show up because I'm going to fucking say something if she does. Like, maybe it's a good thing she's not coming. But, um, and she didn't. She didn't go. And a couple of times I told my daughter, too. I'm like, you know, thank God I'm in AA. Thank God I am doing the workshop. Because if it wasn't, I seriously would have, I don't have a car right now, but I literally probably would have taken my daughter's car without her permission and drove over there and tried to fight this woman for talking shit about my son. But um, that's just, you know, it may seem small, but it, it's a big miracle for me to, like, actually be calm, have my serenity, and also understand her. Like, I don't know what's going on in her mind or, or what she's going through that she would do something like this to her daughter. And I'm just more, like, wanting to be there for my daughter-in-law and and what she might be feeling versus my anger or someone talking bad about my son and well that's just the experience that i had in just this week and um for the newcomers i hope you guys do keep coming because it just gets even better and better thank you Hi, my name is Aaron. I am an alcoholic. And Adam, I thank you very, very, very much. It's something that I really uh, like what you said, what you, uh, that uh, when you were at service, before you got into BBA, uh, you were doing the whole thing, but no credit to God. And I was doing exact, exactly the same thing. And now I constantly 
give credit to God, all the credit to God. You know, I uh, constantly, you know, was dwelling every night, repeating the same thing, a hundred or a thousand times the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over again, you know. That's when you have an issue. Now I constantly do my prayers and my medit- meditation, you know. So this topic that you have today is, is excellent. It's, you know, all the topics are good, but this is special for me. So I thank you again, Adam. And I share your story. You know, I remember when my nephew came over here with two DUIs in a three months, and you shared that story, you know. He still rem- re- remember that. And every time that I can, I share your story. I hope you don't mind because it's a great story. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe at eastlakebba.com. You can also help us reach others by spreading the word about our podcast. Thank you for joining us today on the East Lake Big Book Awakening Podcast.